sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free, and we will stay free. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. What magic wand do you have? A really strong job report to start the year, finishing really after a very strong year last year. 2.6 million jobs created last year, and, and here, the first month of this year, 304,000 net new jobs. That's more than economists had expected. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for being here today. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to really enjoy ourselves because we have a huge lesson. It's like a big, fat, juicy, brand new, brand spanking new whiteboard has been erected someplace where everyone can see it, like in Times Square or on the, your television. And on that whiteboard, it's showing you a one of those diagrams, the ones where you just follow, like you follow the line down to the next arrow and it walks you through how to get something done. And that thing uh, that we're learning how to do is President Trump literally forcing judges who'd made an erroneous ruling to stop him from sending asylum seekers who are coming from the border triangle countries and from Mexico to stop them from being released into the United States. Now, this is something that was infuriating. Remember, we talked about it. We talked about praying about it, praying over our meals. Every, we've, we've been on this subject on the show. Little did I know that the president had a, an interesting plan. And I think it has been done so well that there will be classes on this in political science courses and colleges across the country. They're going to cover this past weekend and Thursday and Friday. Well, actually, the story starts on Monday of last week. So welcome to the program. Thanks for making your home at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Stacy Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here. Uh, I'm so glad to be with you. And today's, today's show is called Has Share Gone M-A-G-A? <laughs> because she actually sounded like me, over the weekend on her Twitter feed. So we're going to get into that. Uh, the report, the, the Ninth Circus has reversed themselves. They convened a panel of three judges to reverse the other judge who said, you can't stop migrants from coming into the country. So we'll talk about that. We're going to speak with Cheryl Sullinger. She's the Senior Vice President of Operation Rescue. They've been tracking all of the times that Planned Parenthood's New York City Margaret Sanger Center has had an ambulance parked outside. You know, we covered this here on the show about the Planned Parenthood in St. Louis and how they have had 62 ambulance calls over a certain time frame, so a number of years, and you never get any reporting on that. They're not required to tell the public what happened to those women and if the women were maimed or if they're, you know, what, what was their ongoing medical situation. So uh, this is a similar situation to what's going on in New York City and Operation Rescue actually tracks this and keeps all of the information. So we're going to chat with her. And then Brandon Judd, he's the National Border Patrol Council president, actually predicted 
that it was legal for, not illegal, but legal, lawful, allowed, permissible, under the executive, uh, not a problem, legally, for President Trump to send illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities. And what's so funny about this is that uh, the, the language that was being used over the weekend on Twitter, I saw liberals, Democrats, progressives, socialists, commies, you name it. I saw blue check marks. I saw people with 200 followers. If they ascribed to the left in any way, shape, or form, they were using words like parasites, parasitical, criminals, rapists, aliens, words that they would never, ever, ever allow someone on the right to use to describe illegal aliens. They were using those words to describe the so-called sanctuary seekers, the ones who are coming here uh, to seek asylum in our country. That's what they were characterizing these people as. I mean, they turned on those illegal aliens so quick. If you didn't catch it, you missed it. So we'll get into that. That's the third segment. We'll take your calls as well. Uh, join us at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. I hope you really had a good weekend. It was super, super cold, wasn't it? I don't know about where you were, but here in Missouri, it was monsoon rains and then frigid temperatures. We had to get winter coats back out. Yeah. So I had to bring some of the plants and, you know, I had tried to make a little bit of prettiness, you know, a little bit of springtime come into just a couple of hanging baskets. So I had to bring those in I had to bring in all my little garden stuff, my tomato bush and my little uh, green bell pepper bushes. I had to bring those in, but they survived. That's all that matters. They survived and they live to uh, produce fruit and vegetable another day. So uh, I hope that you're adjusting back over. It's supposed to be then, I think in the eighties by this time next week. So who knows what the weather is going to do right now. I want to get into the encouragement and oh my goodness, we have so much news to cover. I'm going to try to get to everything, everything, everything. So let's stick with the show sheet. Um, today I want to talk about our ultimate prayer. So we are supposed to be praying for growth from the father. We're supposed to Obviously, we ask for blessings. We ask for his favor. We ask for protection. We're supposed to have an ongoing, continual relationship with God all the time. It's not supposed to just be on Wednesdays or Sundays or whenever we're in a church building, but it's supposed to be a continual, developing, growing relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. And so the scripture verse is Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. And in Ephesians 3, the apostle shares his prayers for the church in Ephesus. His requests are based on his own realization and understanding of God's awesomeness. He knows that God is so great, he can raise people from the dead, save sinners, and take Jews and Gentiles and make them one family. God has an incredible overall plan and purpose for us, and it's such a blessing to see that unfold. But the apostle also sees the deep needs of the Christians, that they're struggling, discouraged, and perhaps some of them are even teeter-tottering on falling away from the faith. And so it's appropriate to ask God for the help that he is so capable and ready to give to us. The apostle knows what to ask for that will enable us to be more effective in our Christianity. Now, I, I want to make sure that this all, this all ties together. There's a new survey out of Great Britain that shows that over there, only 40% of people who profess Christianity actually believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Okay, so that's a problem. If you don't have the right knowledge base with which to operate from, then how can you actually profess Christianity? Now, I don't want to discourage the people who are professing but don't believe that from professing. I want them to know the truth about who Jesus Christ is. And that means we have to pray for that 
for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters, whether they're locally here or abroad across the water, you know, in in Great Britain. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So God can enable us to stand in any situation, to endure any trial or hardship. He has demonstrated this repeatedly throughout the scripture. That's why he encourages us to read it, because reading God's word helps us to know not only what God can do, but what we're able to withstand as his children. David won against Goliath. You remember that. David crushed armies underneath his foot, his heel, his boot, you know, whichever you like to think of it as. He prevailed as the nation of Israel's leader against incredible odds. And God is not done with us. He's not done with those same types of miraculous works. When he favors a nation, you will see extreme, outsized, amazing, wonderful things that that nation can do because they're enjoying the favor of God. So we believe that God can do anything. He speaks and the world comes into being. He created everything from nothing. He knows the end. He knows the beginning. He's in all of those places at once. He knows our hearts. He sees all. He knows all. He has all power. He has all authority. He directs the affairs of men, appoints and deposes kings. He does not sleep. He cannot lie. He's holy, holy, holy. We know these things. Do we believe that we have a relationship with him through Christ? And if we do, which we we must, then we must know that he knows us personally and loves us in a way that defies our own human imagination. So that means we don't have to fear or worry. It means we don't have to give in to uh, depression and discouragement. I'm not, and I'm not talking about clinical depression. I mean, when, when we feel the attack of the enemy and we start to feel, you know, it's sunny outside, things are going pretty well, and then you start feeling depressed. That's the enemy coming in and trying to steal your joy. So... It, when we feel that way, when we feel inadequate, feeble, um, that, you know, maybe he can't do something that we want him to do, that's because we're relying on ourselves and what we know. And we need to rely on him and ask him for help. As a church, as individuals, we must rely on God. The minute we get away from it and start relying on ourselves or, you know, this one is such a great speaker or that one is, you know, so anointed or can do this or that. Amen to all that. Wonderful. But our ultimate source and the one we must rely on is our father in heaven. So he can easily enable us to stand up and endure. And he gives us the strength in our inner man, not the kind of strength we see on the Avengers where they're leaping tall buildings or, you know, tossing an alien into a skyscraper, but strength for bodily discipline. Strength and love and faith, strength and conviction to be able to do the work that we're called to do, to be able to do what's right, to follow the truth, strength in the way that we influence others, strength and patience, strength during stressful times because those will come, and strength in discouragements because we know we're going to be discouraged because we live in a fallen world and we are people, we are imperfect as well, and we're never going to get everything to go our way. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And I'll just share one more with you. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, 
But through our outer man, our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is renewed day by day. That's totally encouraging. (laughs) All right. So that's the encouragement for today. Um, So back to the story, right? You've got the AP reporting. And if you don't remember the story from last week, you might have just seen what happened. You might have seen there's the, the liberals were loving reporting that there was this um, injunction that was placed on sending illegals back to Mexico to await asylum claims. And we can only hold them for 20 days. So what ended up happening is with that judge basically erasing the southern border and any person who's seeking asylum gets to then be released into the country, that means they were gearing up to have just bus loads, literally hundreds of buses of illegal aliens get sent out across the country. And the president said, you know, it's time to revive that idea from last fall where these people would go to sanctuary cities because sanctuary cities are actually cities that are welcoming to illegal aliens. They won't cooperate with ICE. And they're part of the reason why our illegal alien population is so high because we can't deport people from there because we can't get our hands on them. So um, the president tweeted out, due to the fact that Democrats are unwilling to change our very dangerous immigration laws, we are indeed, as reported, giving strong considerations to placing illegal immigrants in sanctuary cities only. Well, then that was Monday was the court ruling by a single judge placing an injunction on the entire country, including the executive branch, on sending illegal aliens back to Mexico, which was the agreement we made with Mexico. Well, a panel of three judges convened, and on Friday at 4.45 p.m. San Diego, or Cupertino time, if you have an Apple phone, issued a block temporary restraining the previous judge's order stopping the Trump administration from returning asylum seekers to Mexico. Still the loony ninth, but somebody got to somebody. You you can guess with me who it was. Was it Nancy? Did she call? Was it Cher? She's got friends on the court. Was it people calling people who knew people? Whatever it was, Democrats threw a fit because they don't want illegal aliens coming to their city. They're sanctuary cities, y'all. And so they reversed the ruling. And Trump has just given a master class in how to make your enemy play themselves. All right, when we get back, we're going to have our guest from Operation Rescue. Stay right there. Eighty percent of the time, an abortion-minded mother who views an ultrasound or sonogram of her baby will choose life. Here's the story of Candace. The sonogram sealed the deal for me. My baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope. And I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean, that sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. There are currently pre-born centers which do not have an ultrasound machine. Would you sponsor a machine today? Dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Your love can save a life. 
Hello, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker, and this is Daily Time in the Word. It's our goal to help you better understand the great blessing of spending time in God's Word every single day. The book of Genesis begins with these words, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Verses 1-3, through Genesis chapter 1. The book of Genesis is the book whereby the Lord introduces His book, the Bible, the Word of God to us, the written Word of God. It's a powerful book with many important insights. Genesis has 50 chapters with four main events and four main individuals or characters. The four main events are creation, flood, the fall, and the scattering of nations. The four key characters are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And it has many insights that help us to better understand the truths of all of the Word of God. It also introduces us to the need for why we need a Savior. I would encourage and challenge you on a regular basis, you and each member of your family, to read the book of Genesis on a regular basis. It reminds us, amongst other things, about the bigness of God as you look at the story of creation, but also as you look at God's sovereignty over his people and over the nation of Israel and over the world as well. Father, thank you, Lord, for the wonderful gift of the book, the whole book, the Bible. And thank you for the unique book of the book of Genesis. Help us to read it on a regular basis and help us to allow it to minister to our mind, body, and spirit according to your perfect will. Thank you for this wonderful book in your word. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Hit the subscribe button over at Stacy on the Right, and you will get the newsletter, which this week, when it went out on Sunday evening, actually had pictures from the pro life rally that we held on the very outside of the little fence that they have there. They have a metal fence at the Planned Parenthood in St. Louis. And we met there, Pastor Bailey, Mary Mashmeyer, and others, myself, we, we prayed, we, we sang hymns together, and we witnessed to women as they were driving into the Planned Parenthood parking lot. And so I have some great news to report about the numbers over there that was shared with me by our local Pregnancy Resource Center team, the Thrive team. Um, God is doing amazing things on this front, and it's such a blessing to be able to share that with you. So right now, it's my pleasure to welcome our guest, Cheryl Sullinger, Senior Vice President of Operation Rescue. Cheryl, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's talk about this Margaret Sanger Center. So basically, eugenics center, because that woman was a demon from the pit. Um, and she is the mother of Planned Parenthood. And she has her own named facility up in New York City, where apparently... Things aren't going so well for the poor women who are coaxed into having abortions there. That's correct. Um, over the years, we've documented a number of medical emergencies at that facility, but recently there seems to be more than usual. Um, and between February 16th and April 4th, there were five women who were hospitalized from that clinic. That's five in about six or seven weeks. Time, and that's a lot for any abortion clinic. And in fact, 
I would say if any other outpatient surgery center um, suffered that many medical emergencies where patients had to be rushed to the hospital, um, those places would not be open today. But yet, at Planned Parenthood, they continue um, to conduct abortions every day there. So... I know a little bit about this because we had a similar situation. We still do with the Planned Parenthood in St. Louis where they've had 64 ambulance calls. Uh, I think it's they started tracking it back in 2005. And so they, they're not required by the state of Missouri to report exactly what happened to those women. They never answer requests from media or concerned citizens about how the women are doing or if there's anything more that could be done. And so it, it's one of those situations where Planned Parenthood always stands apart from the laws that are applicable to, let's say, a LASIK eye care center or an outpatient surgery center where they you know, work on your Achilles tendon or something like that. Any place where they're doing surgical procedures has requirements mandated by the state that they have to adhere to and inspections that are random and then scheduled. But Planned Parenthood seem to be able to float above those rules, don't they? Um, yeah, it seems like that on a regular basis. They are the exception to every rule. Um, at this particular Planned Parenthood, it's kind of a little bit of an information black hole for us. We've made numerous requests for public records related to 911 records at this, um, for emergencies that took place at this clinic. And um, over, I'm sorry about that. That's okay. And over and over again, what we have, uh, we have been totally ignored. Our our checks were cashed, but we never got any kind of records from them. And so it's like really almost as if the city is cooperating with uh, the Planned Parenthood in order to keep some of these things secret. In fact, um, it is the habit of ambulances and even police cruisers that sometimes escort these ambulances to the hospital. Um, not to even turn on lights or sirens until they're about a block away from the Planned Parenthood. So they know that we're watching. <laughs> they don't want us <laughs> to know when someone gets hurt there. That, that's, that's, that, you know, as a mom, that sounds, uh, smells like and looks like and it probably is somebody trying to hide something. Right. But there are pro-life people, and thank God for them, too, that um, try to minister to women on the sidewalk out this facility. Um, they've recently had um, an addition of several clinic escorts that sometimes actually threaten. Uh, in fact, one of the ladies um, that I talk to from time to time, she was actually threatened. They threatened to beat her up if she was going to take any more pictures of this ambulance that was there. So it's a little bit of a dicey situation. But even, even despite the threat, they still go there on a regular basis and offer help to these women. And they are the ones that are snapping the pictures outside these abortion clinics and letting us know doll is not well there. In fact, a very interesting one. In fact, the last one on April 4th, they were doing some renovations inside of the building. And they had all these big, you know, industrial-sized dumpsters outside that, you know, they fall the stuff, the refuse from the remodel. Um, into those dumpsters, and they lined the street where the ambulances normally were pulled up in order to go in and get the woman and put them in the ambulance. Instead, they had to park down at the end of the block because these um, dumpsters were all in the way, so it meant the woman had to come out, be transported down a long block before she was able to be 
um, put into the ambulance and cared for. So okay. it's, it's, we see stuff like this happening all the time. It's just they, no concern. No concern for like. Oh emergency. my gosh, Cheryl, that is, that's, that could be the difference between the woman losing her ability to have children in the future. You know, the minutes and seconds count when you're talking about, uh, you know, emergency, getting a person from a place that's just a center to a fully functioning hospital, going all the way down the block with that person instead of having the ambulance pull right up to the place and, and get them out as fast as possible can mean a huge difference in loss of blood, uh, loss of consciousness. I mean, we could just go on and on and on about all the things that can happen. Absolutely. And some of the women that come out of there um, look like they have some pretty serious injuries. I've seen some photos even in this last um, set of five incidents. There was one lady in particular that was on a gurney. She was, had um, IVs, and she looked like she was really not doing very good at all. Some of the women come out, actually walk out on their own power and climb into the ambulance, so maybe they're their situations aren't as serious, but we do see those ones that are very, very serious. And having to transport them all the way down the block like that on a gurney, it's got to not be very comfortable. And plus, you know, like you said, minutes and can mean the difference between um, life and death. In some cases, we've seen women die from injuries at abortion clinic. I don't see anyone from this particular clinic yet, but we see these things all over the country. They seem to be... Um, getting worse we we only see and we only see a small fraction of the injuries that actually take place because you know there aren't pro-life people snapping pictures at every single abortion clinic every hour of the day so um what we do get is a lot though and so what we've done is we've made a new website it's called abortion911.com and people can go there and see all of our incidents that we've reported on it's really hundreds and hundreds of them you can search by your state. And we've also included um, incidents where women have um, died relatively recently from um, botched abortions and other complications due to abortions. So that site really refutes the safe and legal argument that the abortionists like to make. They like to say it's one of the safest procedures that anyone could ever get. But then why are all these ambulances coming nonstop to these abortion clinics if, this place, if they said it's like a safe procedure. Right. It's If it was super safe, they'd hardly ever have an ambulance there. Um, and, and when it was, the ambulance would just send in the people, you know, the, the actual EMTs would go in and check the person out and say, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing to see here. You know, you know how sometimes the ambulance comes that they right. don't take you away because you really don't need, you don't need to be taken away. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not what you're, you're, you're talking about. Every time they come, they take a woman out. Yes, that's correct. Um, yeah, and probably all the years that I've been um, documenting these incidents, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10 years, I've, I've maybe seen two or three where they did not transport a woman. And so out of hundreds and hundreds of these cases, maybe two or three where a woman was not transported. So it, these are serious injuries. In a lot of cases, we find out later exactly how serious we always we try. Let's put it that way: we always try to order the 911 records. Sometimes we're denied, and it's getting harder and harder for us to get those 911 records because um, um, I, I got one just the other day where the woman at the abortion clinic was calling 
for help for a woman who was injured at their facility, and she was saying um, that she didn't want to say what was wrong with her because she didn't want it to end up on the Internet. And so the, that really frustrated the dispatcher because she needed information in order to make sure this woman got the kind of help that she needed as quickly as possible. And um, so they, they don't want to tell. They want to cover it up. I think in some cases the cities work with them on that and make sure that nobody knows what's going on there. But the 911 records are really important for us because they're a document. They, they document what happened. So it's not just our words. Again, you know, we're not just um, can't be accused of making something up because we have the actual 911 record. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what's really important. And documenting these cases is something that um, we found is really important for, and it's used by attorneys who defend pro-life laws, who are trying to pass pro-life laws, lobbyists, lobbyists who are trying to pass pro-life laws, legislators. So it's this data that we have is used by a wide number of people in order to um, further protect women from having to be injured at substandard abortion places we see all over the country. So what's what's going on here? I mean, could this Cheryl be just a, yet another example? Exhibit exhibit eight million six hundred seventy four thousand and one of Democrats saying one thing and actually doing another. Because I've I've been told many times to my face, sometimes with spittle to accompany the statement that Democrats aren't for abortion. They're not pro-abortion. They just want to have access for women to be able to have abortions in their time of need. And it should be safe and it should be legal and it should be rare. And if it's not legal, then lots of back alley abortions will go on and women will die. And you're saying that one of the safest abortuaries in the country and one of the biggest and longest standing, the one in New York City that's named after Margaret Sanger, that that center has a definite problem with getting women in and out of this safe, legal and rare procedure without them having to be sent to an actual hospital. Yes, it's not. I would not consider it to be safe in any way, shape or form. Um, But. Well, what we're seeing a lot right now is that the Democrats have kind of taken even a turn um, farther to the left, even. And now they're just saying nothing should stand in the way of a woman accessing an abortion if she wants one, even through all nine months of pregnancy. And in fact, in New York, they just passed a law that legalized abortions through mm-hmm. right up until the time of birth then they try to deny that those kinds of abortions take place. But we have evidence. One thing after another, we just published one last week where a 33-week pregnant woman was taken away in an ambulance to a hospital from a late-term abortion clinic in um, Boulder, Colorado. These things happen. Not only do these abortions happen, but they cause injury more often because they're more dangerous and I believe that it's insane to do these in outpatient surgery centers that are not equipped to handle the kinds of complications that arise even in a early first trimester abortion. Mm-hmm. Because and all of them are invasive. Early first trimester. Yep. Every abortion is an invasive procedure, even the ones that are they call telemed, where you know mm-hmm. you take the pills. And I actually didn't know that until I watched Unplanned a few weeks ago. I thought the oh, telemed really? abortions were. Not like I'm, I didn't support them, but I thought that they were the least invasive method of having an abortion. Um, and that's because that's what they always say. That's what they talk about when they say the telemed. They make it sound as if you just the woman takes a couple of pills 
And, you know, a few days later, she's not pregnant anymore. That is not what I saw no, in that movie. Oh, not at all. Very and it can painful. last for weeks and weeks. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's long and painful. And it has an extremely high complication rate. Um, five to seven percent of the women who take abortion pills will require um, additional surgery to complete their abortion. So it's very, very dangerous. I think um, it's a very painful procedure. And it has a very, very high failure rate. And so, you know, all this about the abortion pill just being like a snap, that's just uh, propaganda. Because mm-hmm. I think any woman that's ever been through one of those would say that it was not the funnest day of her life, I can tell you. Yeah, you know well, I mean? that's so, that's what that movie showed for sure. I mean, I, I was I was flabbergasted uh, that 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 well, it was such a graphic depiction of exactly what happens. Uh, I'll never yeah. forget it. And I, I think. Uh, again, get out there, take your kids to go see Unplanned. The, the teenagers can handle it, uh, 13 and up, I think. And, and, you know, your younger ones, if they're, depending on what, what kind of movie watching habits you have, they may be able to handle it. So it's a parental discretion issue. But we've got to see the movie so that we can understand the full breadth of what abortion is in this country today as it stands and then be able to know what to pray for and how to move forward talking to people who are coming to grips with what they've been participating in, as so many of the women have have done. Uh, Maybe even some women who are in that Margaret Sanger Center or some of the 100 women who are looking to leave the industry now because of the movie. Um, Cheryl, I just want to say thanks for what you're doing at Operation Rescue. Uh, we, We need more people like you out there documenting what's going on so that we know what to pray for and we know how to, to just just to talk about this it's a it's a huge issue and the safety of women it's not safe it's not legal well it's legal but it's not safe and it's not rare and we got to keep on praying for the end of abortion in this country right amen thank you so much all right cheryl selinger senior vice president of operation rescue thanks for your time today thank you for having me all right talk to you again soon we will be back with more right here on uh, American Family Radio, Urban Family Talk. You can call in 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Be right back. yourself so embarrassed in a situation that you couldn't even look a person in the eye one day i was in the drive-thru of a famous fast food restaurant and i was giving my order to whom i thought was a man but turned out to be a woman oh my goodness i found that out because i said yes sir and she quickly corrected me i was so embarrassed i couldn't even finish the order so i drove off That was a true story of fear and embarrassment. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 
My brothers and sisters, do not operate as I did and drive away due to fear creeping in. Know that the spirit of the living God lives in you. And with him, he can bring about that courage that you didn't even realize was already in you. With the heart for the urban family, I'm today's urban woman, Victoria Hollyfield. Connect with us more at urbanfamilytalk.com. There are many ways you can listen to the shows of Urban Family Talk. One of those ways is through our very own app. Whether you have an iPhone or an Android, just go to the App Store and search for Urban Family Talk. You'll have immediate access to 24-hour programming as well as the podcast for each show. You'll be able to tune in no matter where you are. Speaking of tuning in, we have our own channel on another radio app called TuneIn. Cool, right? Urban Family Talk is everywhere. Just download the app and take us wherever you go. One goal is that we're hoping that believers will come to learn more about prayer and more about the vital place it's to have in the life of every single believer. Pastor Joseph Parker of the Hour of Intercession. Each and every one of us is called to live a life given to prayer. All of us are wise to make prayer a big part of our individual lives, and we're wise to make it a big part of our life in our families and in our homes. Listen weekday afternoons at 1 Central here on Urban Family Talk. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Most of us are familiar with the term bridezilla, but this bride wins the title hands down. A year before the wedding, one of the bridesmaids told her that she was pregnant and over the moon happy about it. Bridezilla's response to the expectant mom was that getting fitted for a dress would be an issue and reminded her the wedding was child-free. Bridezilla's next remark sent a chill up the woman's spine. So, don't you think it might be better for you to have an abortion? She even called the woman's mom asking her to encourage she get an abortion. The pair no longer speak, and the irony is the replacement bridesmaid was a future sister-in-law who was eight months pregnant. Maybe this was a message to the bride from God. For more information, visit our website at lifeissues.org and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's absolutely illegal, but I'm going to get beaten up by the hard left for this comment, but this is actually a brilliant move on the president's part. There's two layers to this. If he's doing it for humanitarian purposes, he should be praised. These are cities that the city councils have consciously made a decision that they're going to accept these illegal aliens into their cities and they're going to protect them. So if President Trump is sending them for that purpose, then he should be praised. If he's doing it for political reasons, again, this is absolutely brilliant. These people have to be released for one reason or another. And if we're going to have to release them, why not show these sanctuary cities the same pressure that Mm -hmm. other cities are feeling from the release? This is, again, from those two layers, this is a brilliant move. Uh, And that was Brandon Judd, National Border Patrol Council president, saying that President Trump can legally send immigrants to sanctuary cities. The president and previous presidents have lawfully and legally sent illegal aliens into rural areas, uh, small cities, small towns, um, big cities. They've dropped them off at bus stops and bus stations and train stations all over the place. Um, So, yeah, so in the call queue, we have a couple of callers. It looks like it's the same person as in there twice calling from Arizona or Arkansas and California. 
So not sure what to do about that, but let's go to Huck in Alabama. Huck, thanks for calling the show today. Hey, thanks for calling the show. Okay, I'm not hearing anything there. Um, so let's go to Barry in Arkansas. Hi, Barry. Thanks for calling the show. Hello. Yes, thank you for calling the show. Hi, thank you for having me. What's your comment? I would just like to say that I've been raped eight times. Okay, cut her off. How did she even get through the call queue is my question. Unbelievable. So prank callers are not going to be entertained on the show, even if you do manage to get through the call screener. That's not going to be okay here. You can make stuff up, but you could call some other show with that garbage. Not here. Not doing that over here. So back to our original overarching story here. So we we're talking about how the this judge, and I didn't give his name out. Um, you've got Seaborg. His name is S-E-E-B-O-R-G, Seaborg. Single-handedly erased the border. Single-handedly erasing the border with this, this injunction on the Trump administration for the agreement that they made with Mexico to house the illegal aliens until they could be seen in a court. Well, Seaborg is the same guy who earlier blocked the Trump administration from restoring the citizenship question on the census that Obama had unilaterally removed in the 2010 census. So Obama unilaterally removes the 2010 census, the question, are you in the country lawfully? Do you have citizenship in America? And then Seaborg says to President Trump, you can't put that back in. Now, these are both executive actions. So one president can undo the executive actions of the previous president. In fact, that's all they do. Usually it's the first I don't know, 50 or 60 of their executive orders have something to do with undoing an executive order that was issued by a previous president. It's called elections having consequences. Yet here we are with this judge saying that the president can't do that. So he's now saying you can't, you also can't, once they're in here, they're here. Well, he's one of hundreds of political operatives that Obama embedded into the judiciary, and they're going to be there for the rest of their natural lives. So that is why it's so imperative that our president, current president, is putting judges on the the courts, all of the courts, appellate, all of them, all the federal courts that are adhering to the Constitution. Now, I know one of the things that we're super just, you know, super, super, super pumped about is how many judges he's been able to replace, including adding a number of judges to the Looney Ninth Circuit so that we're just a couple of judges away from no longer being able to use that um, that that pejorative. We won't be able to say that anymore. So it's interesting that this is all coming about when it is. And remember, we were talking about this last week on the show, how we weren't sure how would the president, like, how would he do this? And, and is it lawful? Well, it turns out it is indeed lawful for the president to put the, the, the illegal aliens into sanctuary cities or whatever, whatever cities he'd like. Now, the discussion over at DHS was, we don't want to do that because it's going to cost us more money and we're already strained financially. Really? They're already bussing aliens to this place and that place, bussing them a little bit further or putting them on planes. I mean, you have to get creative. Do we not own planes? The U.S. military owns tons of C, uh, C-131s. I, you name it. We have tons of different kinds of cargo and transport planes. 
Why wouldn't we do do that? Fly them right into Nancy Pelosi's district and drop them off at whatever social welfare office they have there. I mean, coordinate with the churches. That's what they've been doing. Coordinating with churches in America to see if they can do something to help house all of these illegal aliens who many of them don't speak standard Spanish and none of them speak English. Some do. uh, But on the whole, the ones coming from the Northern Triangle countries down in in South America, they don't. So this is brilliance. Now, we know just one more thing about this court ruling. We know that if Seaborg's ruling had been left to stand, it would have broken the immigration system as it stands. It's already pretty broken, but it completely obliterated it. And President Trump would have likely prevailed on appeal, as he always does. It's the same thing when Obama had this crazy stuff going through the Ninth Circuit. Um, different groups would sue and the Supreme Court would overturn it. Remember, we were at 18 one time, I remember announcing on the show, 18 uh, reversals by the Supreme Court of President Obama's little mandates for this and that. So that being said, the president actually wanted to get this done right away because of the gravity of the number of people who are coming through. It's just a crazy number of people. Now, who reversed uh, Seaborg? Judge Seaborg was reversed by a panel made up of circuit judges, Diarmid Scanlon, Diarmid O'Scanlon, William Fletcher, and Paul Watford. They stayed Seaborg's nationwide injunction until that panel of three judges can hear the government's emergency motion. So they set a Tuesday morning deadline for plaintiffs in the case to file an opposition to the government's request. Now, here's the other part of this. How does the government, one part of the judiciary, not even the Supreme Court, get to issue nationwide injunctions? Because remember, the Ninth Circuit covers, like, we're talking about California, Oregon, Washington State, definitely not over the entire country. That Ninth Circuit appellate court only has jurisdiction over the nine states within its boundaries that it covers. So how can it enjoin the president of the United States? It shouldn't be able to. And if you remember, Justice Thomas said that he felt a day was coming where the Supreme Court would have to rule on these nationwide injunctions because they do not fall within the, the, you know, the parameters of the Constitution. So that's another thing. So it's just, again, over and over again, we just keep looking and trying to figure out, like, what, how's all this happening? Um, it's happening. And I, I honestly, it occurs to me that the president must have said, you know what? We're running out of options here. We're getting shut down by the Ninth Circuit. Let's give them what they want. They want illegal aliens. Let's give them all of them. He even said so on, on a clip last week. We can give them an infinite number of illegal aliens. And it was that statement and others that he sent out via tweet that moved people who, you know, Nancy's district, they really felt like we're already, they're already dealing with amazing outsized problems there from their homeless issue, their current crop of illegal aliens who live there, the crime um, and the public, their, their, their spaces are encroached upon by all of the homeless people. Their social safety network is completely strained. And, and you know, what's so funny to me is that they sent Nancy Pelosi back to Congress. San Francisco looks like that. Instead of holding, you know, her responsible for some of what's going on there because she's for sanctuary cities as well, no one is holding anyone accountable. But someone was about to be held accountable 
had he dr- dumped off, you know, 17,000 illegal aliens in, in San Francisco. It was going to happen. So um, I wanted to give you guys a couple of uh, comparison statements. Who said there's no illegal alien or immigration or asylum crisis on the border? There is no crisis on the southern border. Well, that was the Democrats. Who said putting immigrants who are claiming asylum in sanctuary cities would be a crisis? Well, it'd be Democrats. (laughs) They said that. Uh, Here's another one. Sanctuary cities are the most compassionate cities in America because they welcome immigrants with open arms regardless of the cost. Who said that? You got it. Democrats. It's evil to suggest sanctuary cities should absorb any of the mass influx of immigrants at the border. Who said that? Again, Democrats. So if it sounds like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth and they're getting a little schizophrenic, um, they are. Because they are going into the areas where their policies don't make any sense. But they're holding on to it for dear life. And we finally have a president. Can you imagine what it would have been had it been Mitt Romney or, uh, you know, John McCain back when or what? It, any one of the others, and no offense to you know Dr. Carson and Ted Cruz, that I think they're they're strong uh, conservatives, but think about the onslaught that President Trump has been subjected to, and think about what the response would have been had it been a president, you know, let's say Jeb because Jeb was running, President Jeb Bush. He would have just said these people are coming here out of love. And he would have spoke to them in Spanish and then he would have said, we've got to do something. We've got to build more, more centers for them to live in. It wouldn't have been a fight is what I'm saying. Donald Trump's willing to fight with them and he never fights them from his position. Wherever they are, he meets them there. And the sanctuary cities. And so did you, were you aware that there were so many? You got New Mexico. You have almost the entire Eastern seaboard. All sanctuary cities, all or sanctuary states, states with sanctuary cities in them from New Jersey, Connecticut, New York, all the way down, Virginia. And then you have almost the entire western seaboard with California, Washington, Oregon, all sanctuary cities or sanctuary states or combinations of the two. So you can see where they feel perfectly fine with Texas and Arizona bearing the brunt of of receiving illegal aliens and do, having something to do with them because they're trying to get votes. They want to flip Republican states to blue states by flooding them with illegal aliens. And they don't care if they vote right away. They just have to be patient. Look how patiently they have been executing the takeover of the, the public schools. And look at the kids, with their, their mindsets, the ones they're turning out now. Kids nowadays are coming out of public school. They think America is horrible. They think communism is great. And they want to be socialists. While they're drinking their custom lattes from their custom uh, tumblers and, you know, holding their custom decked out iPhones and Samsung Galaxies, while they're driving their customized Jeep Wrangler Rubicon, you know, all of that, they're living one way, but out of their mouths, they're pouring out nothing but socialist propaganda, universal incomes, you know, uh, single payer health care, Medicare for all, the Green New Deal. You know, it, it is utterly possible that if they were left unchecked if we had another president there now instead of donald trump they'd be able to accomplish their goal and in short order remember people who are coming from socialist countries who aren't assimilated into our capitalist way of thinking freedom liberty constitution 
individual liberties, if they're not brought into that and taught that and brought over to that thinking, then they just come here and they're just waiting so they can elect somebody who's a socialist because that's what they come from. That's what they know. It's not an insult to, to say that or to tell the truth about that. So summary, Trump's threat worked. It worked. And I still think, I'm not kidding. I still think he should do it anyway, because sending the ones who are coming in back to Mexico doesn't take care of the backlog, which is hundreds of thousands long. And those ones that they're currently like, they just released 17,000. Any future releases should go directly. He should just run straight down the line, maybe put it in alphabetical order and drop off whatever the number is for the first group. If the first group is, let's say, 10,000, then the second group, divide them into 10,000 and just go down the line and add them to each sanctuary city. And I saw some postings today, like one on Drudge said it could backfire on him because it would make him harder to deport. No, it won't because liberals don't want them. They want them in America. They just don't want them in their cities and towns. Watch and see how quickly sanctuary cities become regular cities again when they have influxes of 10 and 20,000 illegal aliens getting dropped off. They would suddenly be dying to work with uh, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. They would be calling and saying, uh, Homeland Security, you know, we, we, got, we got people here committing crimes. We need you to come get them because they're, they're not in the country legally. All of a sudden, it'd be okay to ask that question. You want to see all of their crazy rhetoric go out the window? Make them live under it. If every college student who says they love Ocasio-Cortez and want socialism were forced to go down to Venezuela and stay there for 30 days, when they got back, they'd be dyed-in-the-wool capitalists and they would join Turning Point. Just know that's the truth. Look at what they're doing with this issue. I've never seen them jerk back so quickly and do a, a complete reversal. It's amazing. All right, if you're leaving us now, God bless from the heartland. Citizens, thank you for being with us. Family Talk.